Good evening, everybody. Peter, thank you for playing for us. Appreciate that. And Randy, thank you for leading us. May the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, be with you. Let us open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this family. Thank you for all of us here. I want to thank you for Pastor Sim and his leadership. I just ask, Lord, that you would help guide us in these dark times. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to support and to love one another through these trying times. And I just ask, Lord, that you would please help to speak through me for your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. My friends, would you please turn your Bibles to Matthew 5.38? We will be reading there until verse 46. So that's Matthew 5.38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and to take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. <coughs> and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? For those who were curious, that translation was from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I would like to thank Pastor Sim for his continued leadership and for allowing me the awesome privilege of speaking to you today. I am bringing my second sermon to you as part of a series of talks, although you'll have to go back because it's been a while since I spoke. And as the Lord wills, we'll carry on even after this one. I have called the series name Enemies. My first sermon was called Enemy Number One. Today I have called this sermon Pray for Your Enemies. By the way, while it wasn't intended, if you have heard Chris's excellent sermon on Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding, Think about him in all your ways, and he will guide you on the right path. I highly recommend that you do so. It would actually fit very well in this series that I'm working on as the second sermon to listen to. As while Satan may be enemy number one, each of us would be enemy number two. Thank you, Chris, for that unintended bonus sermon. When I first accepted Christ as my Lord and began reading his word, the Bible, 
I began to notice how many rules and regulations there seemed to be. At least that's what they seemed to be at me at that point in my very early walk. I remember asking my mentor at the time, a man who had helped to teach and lead me to Jesus, about why there were so many rules, not without a certain complaint and grumble in my voice. What he then told me helped to change my outlook, not only on the Bible, but also on God's character, 16 years ago. My mentor said, try not to think of them as rules or regulations, as in don't do this or don't do that, but think of them as God's love, trying to look out for us, trying to protect us from harm and from hurt. This had a profound effect on my thinking and has been with me until this day and I am grateful that God used my mentor to speak this truth to me. While I may disappoint and frustrate myself from time to time, I have learned the value of learning to give myself a break and learning to laugh at myself. One of my quirks or weaknesses is taking things very literally. I still struggle sometimes when I don't know a person very well trying to tell the difference between whether someone is joking or being sarcastic or is actually being serious. When I was reading through the Bible for the first time, I remember reading about the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20:16, I read, Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. And right away I remember thinking, Okay, so if I am called as a witness in a court of law, I must tell the truth. Okay, got it. Hmm. I wonder why this is one of the Ten Commandments. Seems like a pretty rare and specific thing. Why would God make this one of the commandments? How many people have to testify in court in their lifetime? Oh well. I also remember thinking, and yes, sadly, I am being completely honest, a couple of years later, I wonder why lying isn't one of the Ten Commandments. I mean, I knew that lying was a sin, having read the Bible through at this point through a couple times, and seeing how much God really hates lying. I wonder why he didn't make it one of the Ten Commandments. Hmm, strange. Then it finally dawned on me. Oh, by false testimony, you really mean lying and not just in court, but just plain old lying. Okay, now I get it. Oops, missed that one. My favorite, though, was from Proverbs 6.1. Do not put up security for your neighbor. Where after reading it, I was like, what? God doesn't want me to help my neighbor build a fence around his yard? That doesn't make any sense. Why would that be a sin? Fortunately, I didn't let that one lie around very long and kept researching until I found out. Oh, okay, that makes more sense now. You mean don't put a security deposit for my neighbor's debt? Ah, okay, got it. So, believe me, my friends, take it from me. Try not to take yourself too seriously. So, my friends, as you can see, God's Word isn't just a collection of stories about the past, though it does have an excellent recording of history. It is a gift from God, a way to live, help with our struggles, a guidebook and map helping us to navigate in a truly evil and fallen world. 
So many times I remember thinking and referring to the Bible as a lightning rod meant to keep me safe in a terrible lightning storm. Without it, alas, I would get struck and injured or die. Indeed, God's word is life. His word is truth. If we look again at the verses and read specifically Matthew 5:44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here is the power and truth of how that can help from a real and practical example of my own in a very recent trial. A few months ago, my grandmother had a stroke. This made the one side of her body paralyzed and it became difficult to understand her speech. At that time, she was living in an assisted living and apartment building for seniors. Because someone who has had a stroke takes time to recover their loss of movement, they need more help and assistance until they've had the proper rehabilitation. Fortunately, the seniors complex where she was living said that they were able to provide that extra care that she needed and can help her fully with her extra needs. At this point, I wish I could tell you that she was recovering and regaining use of her one side due to the advances from rehabilitation. I'm afraid that I cannot. Instead, only days after finding out that she had a stroke, I instead found out that she wanted to commit suicide with a doctor's assistance. If that shocks you as it did me and my immediate family, then know that you are not alone in this building. I didn't even know that this was possible or legal in our country. Well, I'm afraid for those who still haven't recognized just how evil and corrupt our country has become, this may help open your eyes to the truth. You see, my friends, Satan is not satisfied with our annual death rate to unborn children from abortions of almost 84,000 reported back in 2019 in hospitals and clinics right here in Canada. An astounding number of deaths. I had no idea just how high it really was, and that's every single year. Jesus rightly said of the devil in John 8:44b, he was a murderer from the beginning. And John 10:10a, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now Satan is targeting older people instead of treasuring people for the value that they have and the wisdom that they could teach us from their own life experiences, we are disposing of them. They are no longer valued, no longer safe. No different from helpless babies that are murdered in their mother's wombs. How Satan has completely warped our minds and morals as a country and society. If you go to one of the websites in support of this evil, you will see a picture of an older man who looks emotional but is smiling and is being held by a younger female, probably his daughter. Near the top, below this picture, you can read the following. On Wednesday, 
March 17, 2021, after a year of debate, discussion, and delays, Bill C-7 received royal assent and became law. This was an important milestone in medical assistance in dying legislation. Much like the original passage of Bill C-14 in 2016, which formally legalized assisted dying in Canada and laid out rules for how it could be assessed, this bill will be remembered as one of enormous change driven by compassion, an end to suffering and discrimination, and a desire for personal autonomy. Who are we kidding? How evil does a society have to fall before something so sick, cruel, and demented starts to sound nice and kind and moral and compassionate? Are we there yet? Yes, my friends, I think we are. In case some of you may be wondering, how can God allow this great evil? The answer is, first off, God will only tolerate it for a short time and then do something about it. Friends, make no mistake. God hates evil and he hates sin. If you don't believe me, well, you need to read your Bible. Trust me when I say there are many, many examples of God pouring out his wrath against sin and evil. Here's a quick example. Ever seen a rainbow in the sky? Then you know that God hates evil and sin. After all, if you know what a rainbow is and how it came about, then you will know that it came as a result of God destroying the entire planet and all living things, except for eight people of Noah's family and a remnant of animals on the ark. All because of how evil and wicked we were. Friends, we live in a fallen world. In case you didn't know this, a world where we chose Satan to rule over us. Don't believe me? Please read your Bible. Again, I beg you, read your Bible. God gave us originally dominion over the entire planet, and he gave us only one rule to follow. But when we disobeyed God and listened and obeyed Satan, we made the devil the ruler of this world. That's how that happened. This is why the world is so evil, because Satan is the ruler. Only when we submit to God and seek his ways can we have any hope of life or protection from Satan. Otherwise, God has promised us what will happen to us as is happening to us now, as it is written in Joshua 23, 15 to 16. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. 
When does this happen? When we take God's prayer out of our schools and we teach the lies of evolution. When we take God's laws out of our courts and no longer prosecute murder of defenseless children and now the murder of elderly people. So it is with heavy heart that this has come about. My own relatives, one of my grandmother's own daughters, who is a nurse, and her daughter, who is also a nurse, with their families, who encouraged my grandmother to go through with this atrocity. You see, my friends, if you don't stand on God's word and on his laws, anything can be changed. Who would have thought that the day would happen that the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, would be violated? Worse still, both my aunt and her daughter, my cousin, have taken what is known as the Nightingale Pledge, which states, I solemnly pledge myself before God and in the presence of this assembly to pass my life in purity and to practice my profession faithfully. I will abstain from whatever is deleterious, which I didn't know what that meant, so I looked it up. It means causing harm or damage. And mischievous, and will not take or knowingly administer any harmful drug. I will do all in my power to maintain and elevate the standard of my profession, and will hold in confidence all personal matters committed to my keeping, and all family affairs coming to my knowledge and the practice of my calling. With loyalty will I endeavor to aid the physician in his work, and as a missioner of health, I will dedicate myself to devoted service to human welfare. Seems pretty clear to me, and yet it is being violated every day now in our country. So my friends, this is what I had to grapple with. The news that my grandmother wanted to take her own life at the hands of a doctor, with her own family supporting and encouraging her to do so. By the way, in case some of you may be wondering, the only immediate family member who was totally against this was my grandmother's firstborn child, my own mother. And because my mom is a Christian and her husband is a Christian, who's my dad, and her two children are Christians, my sister and myself and our spouses are also Christians, we were all shocked and strongly opposed to this decision. My parents and my sisters family live out west. So my parents and my sister flew out to central Ontario to try to be a voice of reason and to try to talk to my grandmother out of this decision. And me, what were my feelings or my reaction to all of this? Let me just say that enemies come in all types. But probably for myself, having the very people that you love turn to evil was the most trying of all, to say the least. Now, these were not just some distant relations that I hardly knew. 
This was my favorite aunt from both sides of the family, and her daughter, my cousin, was my best friend in high school. I was so angry, so furious at this. How could this happen? Aren't they both nurses? Shouldn't they know better? This is their own mother and grandmother. How is this even possible in our country? I remember telling my own wife how I felt about all this. I felt shame, pure shame. This is my family? These are my relatives? Why is my grandmother even considering this? Isn't she a Christian? I also remember, and I am sorry for my honesty, my friends, thinking that I no longer wanted anything, anything to do with them at all ever again. Having family turned into enemies is terrible and an experience I hope that I won't have to experience and I hope it's not something you guys ever have to go through. The feelings and emotions were too strong for me to call just anger. <coughs> it was terrible, these feelings. I hated these emotions running through me. My friends, it was like having poison itself run through my veins, seeping into all parts of my body. I could feel this poison right into my very soul. This poison affected me so much so that for my part, I had to send my wife up north to represent my family, a job that was supposed to be mine, to try to talk to my grandmother because I could no longer be compassionate and caring, only hateful. It is with this backdrop that I want to call you back to the verses that I mentioned at the beginning, specifically Matthew 5:43 to 45a. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. I can tell you that one of the things that I love very dearly about my Lord and Master Jesus is that he is a loving and gracious God to me. So much so that he always, always, without fail, shows me the error of my ways. I am so grateful to him that he shows me this. This time was no different and I want to specifically thank my God and my Lord Jesus for helping me through this. I am sorry that I don't remember how it came to me exactly or how the idea was brought forward from this verse. I just remember thinking that I had to get this poison out of my soul. So it wasn't easy at first, but I started praying with my wife telling God that I forgave my aunt's family. This didn't seem to be enough and didn't really fill me with peace. So next I asked my family for help, including my own precious children, to pray for my aunt's family specifically. Each one of us prayed for one member of my aunt's family, herself, her husband, 
my uncle, then her two daughters. As my aunt's family and consequently her children are atheists, I instead directed our prayers for each of them that God might replace their hearts of stone for hearts of flesh and that he would allow their eyes to see the truth about their salvation. So every night we would each pray for their salvation one at a time. My friends, this had a profound effect on my peace of mind. It was amazing, truly amazing, how by praying for them, it helped to free me from a prison of hate. In fact, when despite my mother's family and our prayers didn't help stop my grandmother at taking her own life at the hand of a doctor, I was still able to go to the funeral almost three weeks after she was killed. Not only that, but God put in me a feeling of peace and true love towards my aunt, my uncle, and my cousin and their families. I felt no hostility, no anger, no resentment, only love. This came from walking in obedience and doing what God's word told me to do, to pray for my enemies. Please believe me, my friends, this came from God, not from me. My will and emotions caused me to not go up north to try to help. I was so angry that I had to send my wife in my place. I was so upset that I wanted nothing more to do with my relatives. In fact, I vowed not to even go to the funeral. And so if God can transform a sinner and a monster like me to where I could go and show true love and compassion towards my relatives, then I know that he can do the same for you. Please, I beg you, if any of you have feelings of hate or anger towards an enemy, you need to pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would help them. And also ask God to soften your heart to help see them how he sees them. If God can work that miracle for me from just following his instructions, believe me, it can be done for you too. God gave us these commandments to help us, to protect us, because he doesn't want us to suffer the consequences of these sins, or worse, to make other people suffer as a result of our own sins. There was a special gift from God that came at the right time as I was working through my emotions through praying for my enemies. It came as an encouragement to me, and it was really neat, a God moment, as when this song came out. It was a brand new song, less than a week old. While it touched me emotionally, it gave me great comfort. It is called The Lord Almighty Reigns, and it is by Keith and Kristen Getty. Here it is now. There's an endless song waiting to be sung with the voice of every tribe, the sound of every tongue. When the bride of Christ on that day of days 
brings with joy unto the land a multitude of praise. Like the roar of mighty seas and rolls of thunder, hear His people sing. that you would please convict anybody that has been listening to this that has enemies, that they have not been praying for them. Please enable them, Lord, to be able to pray for those who have wronged them, who have hurt them, so that they may be free. 
For Satan does not want us to pray for our enemies because he wants to keep us in bondage to sin. He does not want us to be free. Please, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would teach this and continue to teach this to me, but also teach it to the people tonight so that they may be free. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening. May God be with you and bless you, and may his work continue to guide you.